across the world, real estate agents are underachieving. They're missing out on millions of dollars in commissions. My name is Pat Hyben, and in the past 27 years, I've sold over 6,000 homes, selling over a billion dollars in real estate volume. My plan is to interview agents from across the world and help all agents create their destiny. Happy Monday, rock stars! Hope everybody had a rock star weekend this weekend. Hope you listed and sold a lot of properties. Hope you earned some commissions. Hope you saved some money. Last week, wow, what a great week, huh? Got a lot of comments. Um, by the way, you guys, hybendigital.com is our main website. And any of our uh, past episodes... Uh, there's a big search bar there and you can go in there and you can type anything. Uh, people have been really excited because they can go in there and type in Fizbos. They can go in and type in delegating. They can type in, you know, somebody's last name. They can type in an episode number. They can type in their first name and you type in Jim and everybody will show up that uh, has named Jim or James or begin with a J. Um, it's just, uh, there's, you can find any episode. We're well over 300 episodes, and there's a ton of content. I'm noticing that people are going all the way back below 100 and, and, and listening to those episodes still. We've breached 90 different countries uh, that people are listening to the show in, which is phenomenal. And so thank you to everyone out there uh, listening across the world i was able last week you might have noticed i didn't do any intros i was able to last week uh, take my daughter my youngest daughter to colorado um quite frankly after listening to episode 232 if you haven't listened to it definitely do it 232 with jim shells uh which again you go in the search bar and just type in jim shells or, or uh, 232 or whatever um, or family board meeting. He talked about the family board meeting and having these awesome days with his kids, which are one-on-one. Uh, that combined with uh, a good friend of mine, Mark Swagger, who has three daughters and does the same exact thing, takes each one on a one-on-one vacation every year, takes three different vacations, each with a daughter, and, and he has incredible relationships with these girls. And they inspired me. They they inspired me, both of them, to, to take this and my wife had some friends over. She kind of kicked us out of the house. So we just went to Colorado and we went hiking. A lot of people said don't do it because it was mud season. But, man, the weather was great. Um, we hiked our ass off. Uh, we, we, one day we got 26,000 steps on our Fitbit. Um, and uh, it was a blast. It was a very good bonding uh, experience. And uh, I'm very grateful I was able to do that. And very grateful that I... That I set out what I planned, you know, as, as many of you know, my plan all along was to sell real estate hard, save money hard, and then invest money hard in horizontal sources. Horizontal sources, of course, if you don't know, are things that pay you sideways. Things like a rental house pays you sideways, a, a apartment building, a shopping center, a well, a book pays me sideways. You know, my book, I get like $5.35 a book, you know, no matter how many books, whatever books number I sell times five bucks, I get paid that sideways. And I'm creating things throughout my life that I get paid sideways on. Not that I get paid horizontally. When I was in the game, when I was selling, which I did for 20 some years, that was, hor that was uh, vertical. That was vertical. That was, 
you know, um, or, or sell one more house than the last year, make one thousand more dollars than the last year. I had a mentor one time tell me, "Life is good if you can make one more dollar than you did the last year." Well, the, quite frankly, that's a vertical mindset. You know, it's vertical. It's you get a five percent raise every year, and I, I don't think that's how real estate agents should think. They need to think horizontally. You need to have a horizontal mindset because you're not going to have some horizontal things that most people get. They get a pension, which is horizontal. They get, you know, retirement, which is horizontal. But quite frankly, they only get two, maybe three tops. You know, it's my goal to get 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 a hundred. You know, I have fifty four now. You know, I have rental properties that rent out that pay me horizontally. I have notes of of that I've done to loan money to different entities, different companies, different people that pay me monthly payments horizontally. I have I have uh, 16 um, companies, small companies, about uh, probably only seven pay me horizontally. Uh, the other nine or so are equity plays or hope that they're going to pay me horizontally. Some have paid me horizontally and then have stopped. But the goal would be, you know, that they would all would. And out of 54, I would say close to 30 things pay me horizontally. And at the end of the day, that allowed me to go to Colorado, you know, so I'm grateful for that. And, and, and I'm not telling you this to impress you, but telling this to impress upon you that you need to have an end in mind as a, as a real estate agent. And your end in mind should be, um, you know, saving much more money. And I talk about this in my book, six steps to seven figures, but in the last chapter, but, um, save your ass off right say it's 10 percent. no don't save 10 percent. say 50 percent. invest invest as much as you can in real estate and things that pay you horizontally and then and then hopefully you'll be able to one day live a life like me at 46 i was able to bail out and and um and just live off my horizontal income and actually you know now some people have asked me recently what the hell are you doing with um creating these new products the school right the school to help agents better themselves and and that's going to be another horizontal line for me i'm going to be honest with you that that you know each school that i create each you know classroom that i create will be another horizontal line i think at the end of the day that's what i'm doing i spent four years just being an investor and now i'm kind of ready to start uh, creating something again um so that's why i'm doing that um, so anyways man we we have a great week we have a really good week i got ali merrill gothberg on wednesday she's with amherst madison real estate you know her listings have been on the view with Whoopi goldberg and barbara walters and all that good stuff they've been on house hunters uh and then friday uh bob zackmeyer yeah bob increased his his units by 404 years yeah 400 in four years and that is a phenomenal episode too so you know great week this is this is a meat and potatoes week get your pencils and papers ready listen to all these episodes they are just phenomenal good to be back and have a great week guys and i'll, I'll talk to you on wednesday bye Okay, Rockstar Nation, we have a super returning guest. I always love catching up with this guy. Charlie Butler is back, and and uh, we're going to talk about some good things today, some exciting things about what's going on in his market and some struggles he's dealing with personally with his business going so well, which is always a good problem to have, so to speak. So without further ado, welcome back, Charlie Butler. Well, thank you, Pat. It's, it's, it's great to be here. Hey, Charlie, uh, in case anyone hadn't heard you before on the show, why don't you give everybody a little background on yourself so they can get to know you better? 
Sure. Uh, I was uh, probably start. I started in real estate in '99. I'm not going, guys. I'm not going to go through the whole history, so don't. But uh, I, you know, I started like most people do, just a regular residential realtor. And uh, I, I was, uh, I called a sub owner, just like I normally do, and it happened to be an investor. Took him to lunch. He was a small investor who's bought some properties from me over the years. But he introduced me to a guy who built. We built from 40, 40 properties to over four hundred properties in less than seven years. And with with those guys plus the guys they introduced me to, I built a big single family investment business. And uh, you know, which morphed. Which I know a lot of people have the misconception that those guys. That's all they can do. They're you know they're low end single family guys, but I found out that those single family guys also own apartment complexes too for the long term stability. They own a single family. That's where they make their real money at mm-hmm. in a lot of cases. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And everybody, uh, everybody likes to move up. I know I did it. Right, I used to buy all yeah. kinds of little houses, and I still got a bunch. But then I started buying shopping centers and and apartment buildings. And if people listening could figure out, you know, how to continue on that path and learn from uh, me from doing it or you from doing it as the broker, I think that'd be great. But first of all, um, you know, what you're in Evansville, Indiana. What's the market like, you know, buyer's market or seller's market today? We're in a, we're in a full blown seller's market. Uh, if you, you know, if, if, and that's true on the residential side, I'm the, I'm the co-owner of the, uh, of the local Keller Williams Market Center, also, and so you know we've uh, uh, it's it's always a good time to only have to only have an investment group of two because the profits have been really good. And uh, oh, I see. Uh, yeah. So but, would you say your profits on that market center are better now than they've ever been in the past? Oh yeah, by 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 far. You know we we started this we started this market center and there we were and for those Keller Williams people that are listening and I know. Pat, you're familiar with it. We were in a true Keller Who area where, you know, there was no Keller Williams anywhere. There was the closest Keller Williams was uh, two hours away. Mm-hmm. So you're uh, seeing you're so, seeing record profits there. You're seeing record time on market, like really, really, really short time on market on the residential space. Now, what about on the commercial space, Charlie? Because a lot of times they don't coincide. A lot of times, you know, you get, you're in a hot uh, commercial market, but, um, you know, the residential, not so much and vice versa. So what do, what are you seeing there? I'm so, you know, you're seeing two things real. First off, to answer your question, uh, you're seeing the same thing this time where there is except not as much yes things are flying off the market but on the commercial side uh the really desirable properties and we're big multifamily guys we do a lot of multifamily we do some shopping centers we do some triple net properties but we by far uh as and and i'm talking about our commercial group uh which is a very small part of our residential group of of the of the Keller Williams residential, but we're seeing uh, we're just not seeing the inventory uh, of the kind of properties that and our investors and mainly we have we have investors from from around the country. I we had an we had an equity fund just fly in Tuesday from California that's wanting us to represent them throughout the Midwest, and we'd done a deal with them before, 
and they liked what we did. But uh, again, I've sent them, I've sent them five properties in in looking for in spending about several hours on the computer and on the phone and with well, really on the phone with contacts and. You know that's not a lot. I mean, even though it was over a thousand units total, it's not a lot compared when uh, did they, did they I mean, buy? You got guys with a well. It's, I mean, they just they bought in the past. They own I don't know. They own it's a it's a small fund. They own three four hundred million dollars worth of property. Three four hundred. Let, let me but, get this straight. So three four hundred million dollars worth of property. Now right. they're they're looking at Evansville, Indiana, because obviously their algorithms has have targeted that area as a spot of maybe several to buy apartments. Um, right. And uh, would you say that even them buying, although of course you you know you're gonna you're gonna say it's a good deal and it probably is a good deal. Would you say it's the highest per door number, meaning the most expensive it's been ever, as far as you know, what it takes to buy a multifamily in Evansville. It is, yeah. I mean, you know these these guys are a little bit more of a not the hardcore value add type, and and for for those that don't know, the value add investor are the people that are okay with buying something that needs repairs, and. Uh, uh, they're more of a value add type, but they're still uh, in the you know they'll pay in the in the twenties per door, which uh, and again it depends on you know if they were in if we were in Tampa, you know they're going to double or triple that because it's still going to be a value add there because the rents are going to be different. Hmm. So uh, it's it's going to be you know I mean we're we're working with a broker in Georgia right now on the Atlanta property. That uh, is 100% vacant, over 400 units. Okay, okay. So, so let um, me let me talk to you about that. So, uh, 100% vacant. So basically, what's happened is uh, the place, for lack of a better way to put it, just went to shit, and and everybody moved out. It became like it became like gangland, like right, like nobody, everybody yeah. moved. I mean, how's that happen? The neighbor, you know, the neighborhood doesn't seem completely undesirable, but however, the. Uh, uh, in what we understand, and we have not been down there, we're just you know we're simply gathering data for them right now and putting and putting everything together. But the owners just continue to let it go down. Once there were some problems, they didn't address them. It kept getting worse and worse. But you know we're seeing an opportunity there. But it's an opportunity for someone who is willing to buy the property. Well, they're going to be able to buy it very cheap, but be willing to put a few million dollars back in the property. Yeah, yeah, I, I tell you, I tell you, you know, something happened to one that I have in Texas that we just settled on. Right, matter of fact, I just got the wire yesterday on this. We had this property, and 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 it was ghetto. I mean, it was it was in a bad area, and we had a murder on the premises. And then about a year later, we had a second murder on the premises, and. The police department or the municipality somehow um, sent us uh, legal notices that said if we had one more, you know, violent crime like this on on the property, they were going to issue this absolutely phenomenal fine, like three or four hundred thousand dollar fine. Um, right. And, and and each one after that, and even consider you know pulling 
uh, our rental license, which, you, you know, would just obviously kill. You don't got a rental license. You can't do anything. So, so right. you know, you can't just own apartment building and and let it go to crap there's certain standards you gotta you gotta keep and so uh they will pressure you and they pressured us and we actually sold it at a at a, at a big loss biggest loss i've ever taken just in my life yeah, just, just to get out of it right. because we couldn't we didn't want to raise more money to try to cover these fines and to try to you know um, make pick it up to speed and, and get rid of all these tenants that we would have had to get rid of to to bring in better tenants. It was just, it was just too overwhelming for us. So, and that does happen. So I could see they probably, the same thing happened. That's how they ended up with zero tenants in there. And, and I, I, I think it was probably very similar, but you know, Pat, we did a deal last year, maybe two years ago. And that's why I was getting ready to say, I didn't want to scare everybody into not buying a hundred percent vacant property because we did for one of our larger clients locally, uh, a student housing deal at Southern Illinois University in Carpendale, and when I called him, says 100% vacant. He said, "You know, his first, he said, how many million dollars am I going to put into that?" And he said, "I'm not even going to go. You go look at it. Let me know." Well, we go look at it, and what had happened? There were like some uh, gutters loose, some just obvious small code violations. Uh, a few thousand dollars here, a few thousand dollars there. I mean, it was a significant amount of money, but nothing crazy. Like what we're talking about. You just had guys that the city kept warning, and they wouldn't do it. They And they wouldn't do anything to the property. They kept letting it run down. The city said, okay, you know, we want you to vacate these buildings. This is 110 units. And so bank gets it back. And, just, and it was simply because – so we meet with the city – and probably the easiest city that we've ever been to deal with. And so easy, in fact, a funny story in one of the buildings, there was a big step to get into the building. And we said, and I turned to the inspector, I said, what's the code here? He said, you need a step. I said, what's the code? And he said, well, you might just want to take this step and and uh, measure it, and about half of that make another step. That was their code. <laughs> oh. What the hell does that mean? So, like, like, you could yeah. We love that, a obviously. Smaller you know, step, yeah. Yeah, you know, just make a smaller step where they don't have that one big step, but he didn't, they didn't have a code as far as how many inches it had to be. Just yeah. take that step and cut it, and cut it in half and, you know, and make another step, and you'll and, be good. And the sad so part is, right. yeah, the sad part is you got to obey by that. I mean, that's kind of, especially down south, that's how they roll in some of these, in some of these municipalities. But you know, we, were, we were very happy to have, uh, here we were thinking we're going to put all this money in this, that it was, you know, had been 100% vacant, and get there. Yeah, we brought it up today. We put, you know, they put new windows all the way around, and and they probably did spend a million dollars in it, but they paid 900, and or 950, I think, and within six months, it went from zero to 80% occupied. I think it's in the 90s now, so it's worth. Yeah. Three and a half million at least now. So they you do. Know, they, they do they've good made work. on paper over a million dollars. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So l- let's shift gears a little bit because before we started recording, you and I were talking about something. It has a little more to do with the residential side of thing. I think uh, anybody, even if you're not in the apartment building uh, arena, can appreciate this as you grow. But Charlie and I were talking about the struggles we have 
as a growing team. I've been in the business 27 years. He's been in 17. We both have clients, have had clients that have bought multiple properties. I think my record is I have one that bought, and this isn't an investor. In his case, it's probably more an investor. Mine was a just a, a couple that liked to move like every year and a half. And over time, they bought 14 houses from me. Like every oh, wow. 18 months, they would list and sell and then buy something else. And so uh, I think I got up to about 10 houses with them. And at that point, I, I said, you know, here's the thing. You know, my team's a little different now. I don't do this anymore. This person's going to list it and this person's going to sell it. I think we did two more like that. Then, unfortunately, those people had left my team. Those two agents had left my team. I assigned them to more people. This is a listing agent. This is a buyer agent. They bought and sold or sold and bought with that new person, and I thought they were very happy. But then when it came time for them to move again that 15th time, they didn't use me. They just... Um, Next thing you know, I saw their house as sold in the MLS, uh, you know, probably about two years later. And I was like, well, I, I lost the business, right? So after 14 deals, they moved on. And, uh, you know, I got a, a ton of commissions from them in four, uh, 14 different deals. So I'm not complaining. But at the same time, right. you know, you have that similar problem with some of these investors that you – uh, you know, earned your keep from early on selling them little dinky houses to rent out. And then uh, you're now selling this big stuff and you really don't have uh, time for these little guys and, and you're struggling pawning them off, so to speak, on your team, on your buyer agent. So talk to me a little bit about that. And what, what are you doing to try to keep from happening? What happened to me with, with these buyers? I'm doing uh, well. I've, I try, I've tried a couple different things, and we we haven't been completely successful. But you know, we're we're working on one of them. Is I tried hiring a people a, 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 a person just to do research for me, and uh, all they all they had to do we trained them. All they had to do was just go in, find these smaller properties. I could sit there, just call the clients. Uh, send somebody to show them to them is no big deal. But, you know, it seems like I've done this a couple of times and each time I found somebody, uh, they've wanted to be, they see other people listening, selling houses on my team and that's what they want to do. And they haven't been very good at it. So they haven't lasted, you know, and, and so I'm, I'm struck. I would, that's, that's, that would be ideal for me. If, if I could, cause the research is, is cause what I, what I was known for, I would come in, on a say, and a Saturday would be a classic when I was doing this, and people said, "How do you find this stuff nobody can find?" I would spend the entire day on Saturday, maybe twelve, fourteen hours, and I would look through the MLS at stuff that didn't make sense. And we've probably talked about this before. I would look for, and I'd find maybe a price that was off. First thing I would do, I wouldn't, I wouldn't look for foreclosures. Everybody can find foreclosures. That's no big deal. Then I'd go to sales disclosure. I'd look at the sales disclosure. I didn't. I didn't care what the sales disclosure said. I'd look at at the end of it, where you, it asked you for, for you know any remarks, and I either look at the signature. Is it a power of attorney? Is it a personal representative? Does it say in there sellers never lived in property? And if it says any of those things, you know it's like ka-ching. You know we've got something here. We've got an estate. We've got a nursing home, and we don't have all the competition that we've got with foreclosures. So so you became and, an expert at like 
finding uh, stuff that other agents couldn't bring them. And then you kind of, and then you tried to put them off on people and they're kind of like, hey, they're just giving me MLS and crap. They're not doing the research that you're doing. So what now you've done is you've trained somebody to do all the research you used to do. And now you're just the front end where you get all the research and you're just like, here's the, here's the deal. Kind of like an attorney where an attorney will have a paralegal do all your work and then, um, you know, be the, the face of it, of, of it all. That's kind of what you're doing. In theory, that's how it's supposed to work, Pat. But that, as I said, that person, you know, that I found twice and has been a good researcher, they see the realtor's, uh, you know, out there, they then they decide suddenly while they're not suited for it at all, they want to be listing or selling, and they and well, you're you're not paying them my, enough because they're they're making more money yeah, listing and selling. They, see, yeah. they, they see the big checks and you know and that kind. You got to pay them more. Like, that's it's all. Yeah, it's like your office people sometimes. You know, your office people, you know, see those big checks. Your admin, they see those big checks coming through. Well, they if you pay, you pay them enough, they'll stick at that job. I think that's what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? and that's and that's what we, and that's what we've learned. I mean, we've we we learned we learned that one the hard way. And uh, yeah, because that's grueling. That's, uh, that's grueling work. Yeah, yeah, the and the admin for those that are building teams, and I get asked that question all the time, as I'm sure you do too. You know, they say, "Okay, I want to start a team," and I'm getting off the subject here, but I think it's important. And I always tell them the same thing. I said, "You know, get the admin first first hire your first hire is the admin and they, and they all say the same thing well that'll cost money and they won't produce anything i said no i said the admin will be if they're good will be your most valuable hire you ever make and 90 percent of them never listen they go out and hire a buyer's agent and yeah. create a bigger mess right, than what they're right. already in yeah, already. it's yeah. stupid right because if you open a bagel shop you know you wouldn't do you wouldn't make the bagels sell the bagels bust the tables you know, uh, you know, yeah. pay the bills. You wouldn't do all that stuff yourself. I mean, you 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 die of a heart attack. So it, it's weird how real estate agents, for some reason, think they're exempt from normal American business acumen. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, uh, just because they're a real estate agent, I never understood that. I I was fortunate when I started in the business. I had a I had a high producing broker that was one of the top producers in the state that took an interest in me. And I was I was also fortunate that I started out as a residential agent. I started out pretty good because my first year, I did fifty eight transactions and three and a half million dollars, which for your first year is not bad, you know. No, so that's a ton of biz. He he, he said uh, so after about six or eight months, he, he came to me and he said, "Look, the, as much business as you're doing, and I'm doing it all by myself, you know," he said, "you'll burn out really quick." You know, uh, he said, so I was, I'd been in the business less than a year when I had my first admin. Didn't know. I mean, I was still new. I'd come to business, didn't have anything. I had, you know, you know, things had had, had had some financial setbacks before I got in the business. So, you know, I was just catching up. Didn't always know how I was going to pay her, but it always worked out, you know? So, uh, and then it just kept getting bigger and bigger from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I I interviewed um somebody earlier today that is just killing it in the business. Uh, similar to she's in her 5th year, uh, just and has a year like you had your first year and she told me some awesome advice and and she said someone gave this to her recently. They said when you're feeling burnt out, rest, don't quit. 
And I was like, that's right. great. I love that. Rest, don't quit, you know? And uh, so uh, to, it, it makes a lot of sense. The problem is if you don't have any uh, assistance and every deal is worth five grand, it's very difficult to rest because you feel like you're throwing $5,000 checks down the toilet because you're resting. <laughs> well, and, and when you're doing a ton of smaller deals, the, the other key is finding those buyer's agents that understand. I mean, they see, they look at it as one deal in front of them. They say, okay, I'm only going to make $1,200 on that deal or whatever it is. And now they don't look at it as, okay, that guy will just as easy buy 10 properties as he'll buy one property. You know, if he, as long as the list that I provide them of my investor, that all they could do, all they had to do is just sit there and call if they can find the inventory. The, the lady who's now my business partner in uh, Keller Williams, she started with me on my team in, uh, in 2003, I think it was. And, uh, anyway, she, uh, someone, uh, someone asked her, well, how, how's Charlie train you? Now this is back before we had phones, that had all the numbers in. She said he, he opened his, he opened his desk drawer, said, uh, he, uh, he handed me a black book and said, go find some properties and call these people and tell them that you work with me and that I've got properties that you'd be interested in buying. And she, and she took the advice. She did it. This was in December. By March, she came to me and said, I've already made more money in three months than I ever made in a year in my life. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, if it's, it's just, you know, I guess, and that's, that's the difficult thing. It's just doing it because now as we have, as before I came on the air with you, talking, we've got us talking with an investment banker who's doing some big deals with us. And we're working on a $7.5 million deal right now. We're working on right around a $2 million deal. And we've got this. We've got this equity fund that, you know, we're trying to put something together for up around $30 million. So, and, and, you're, and you're still trying not to forget the guys that got you here. Well, you know, I think so at some point. It's a difficult balance. It's a, it, uh, yeah, but I, I don't think you need to, you know. I think at some point, Charlie, you just need to be, you need to cut them loose. I mean, it, here's the thing. You're not, if they were a brand new buyer, like you had never met them before and they wanted to buy a little house from you as, as, their, as their first rental, chances are, I'm I'm guessing, but I'm sure I'm right. You you'd kick them to one of your eight buyer agents, right? I mean, you you need exactly. to feed those fish. The only reason that you're um, still wanting to keep somebody that wants to buy an eighty thousand dollar house, and at, at the same time that you're keeping a, a a hedge fund that has three hundred million in real estate and wants to buy five apartment buildings at once, is because you have an emotional attachment you have some you have it's kind of like my wife didn't want to sell her last car and i'm like how are you in love with an inanimate object or, or whatever you want to call it how are you in love with a car because she had an emotional attachment to the car and the memories of the car just like people do in houses but it's the same thing man you need to you need to just let them know hey you know i, I you know I'm, I'm not a kid anymore i don't i, I don't work the same clients that i did 15 right. years ago, now I got these big boys and they need my attention. And, and I wouldn't expect any more. Same thing with a doctor, a lawyer. You know, if you have a good lawyer, he's going to, over time, he's going to get clients that are bigger and better and, and, and need more attention than the guys he was helping get out of a DWI when he first started, you know, first year at a, at a law school. 
And you know, I and I know I know you're right. And I've actually I can, as you can say, it is an emotional attachment because some of these some of these guys over the years, we've spent so much time together because we've done so many deals together that we become friends. We play golf together. You know, we do. You know, when they have parties, they invite me. You know, I'm. You know, when these private investor things that they do, when they discuss things that they don't. You know, uh, when they talk about interest rates and what banks are going to use and, and everything, where they don't invite bankers or realtors or anybody else, I'm the one realtor that gets invited to that luncheon every week. You know, because you know I represent all of them, and uh, so that that emotional attachment is there. In fact, I'll tell you how strong it is. In some cases, one of them called me the other day. He said, "Man." I know you're too busy for this, but he said, I, I really realize how busy you are, but he said, there's a person, there's, I just joined a certain country club and I want a house in that neighborhood. And there's nothing for sale. You can find it. So he played my ego there. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, and we're closing and we're closing Friday on a, you know, 6,300 square foot house for him, which is, I mean, it's a nice sale. Don't yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, but it's not what I do, except I can just, you know, as I told you off air, as one client always introduce, introduces me to somebody new, he says, this guy can find stuff that doesn't exist. And that's, that's kind of how I got, but you're right. And so, you know, I'm, I'm conscious of that every day that, uh, like on my to-do list now, the small, the, the small guys, smaller, they, they're not even on there. And you know, the ones that have been with me since the start, they're proud of me. They're proud, you know, and they'll tell you, man. You know, we remember you back when you were just hustling for for houses, and we are so happy to see what you're doing now. You know, so that makes me feel good too. That they, and you know, really, I think it's more me in some cases than it is them, because like I said they know I've moved on. But you know, I still they still say, hey, you know, we need we need this and we need that, and when they can't find anywhere else. They call me. Yeah, yeah. So, and they got your personal cell yeah. phone. It's hey Charlie, and it's hey Frank, or whatever yeah. you know, first name basis. Exactly. Right? So yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah, they're they're good guys, and of course they, you know, they on, on the flip side of it, they buy apartments too. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. So they they um, move up. Uh, hopefully just like you you moved up in your business well i tell you what charlie this this has been a great conversation i really appreciate you coming back on the show anybody listening i always enjoy it pat always enjoy it if you have anybody in evansville indiana or surrounding areas charlie and and his team are are there for you he's got a big team they handle all aspects of commercial and residential real estate and i'm going to put all charlie's information just go to hybendigital.com backslash charlie butler and the number three since this is his third interview on the show hybendigital.com backslash charlie butler and the number three thanks charlie pat i appreciate it thanks as always well i hope you've enjoyed this session of real estate rock stars I'm Pat Hyben, and I appreciate you spending time tuning in for some rock-solid advice. I encourage you to take action on something that you have connected with. These insights, along with goal-setting, will help carry you to achieving your destiny. Visit hybendigital.com for resources, how-tos, ebooks, and so much more. Also, reach out to us on Twitter. My handle is at Pat Hyben. And don't forget, Rockstar Nation, keep rocking. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.